This is a hard story. Hearing and reading about the passion of Christ is a confrontation that we're never quite prepared for. Sometimes we let the story pass us by, just a a dark pause on our way to Easter egg hunts and luscious ham dinners or whatever your home tradition is. But when we listen to this story, the sorrows inflicted on Jesus at the end of his life, it's uncomfortable. The easiest tack is to be outraged, I think. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, incarnated of God Almighty, emptied himself into the form of a servant to get close to humanity in a way that was undeniable. And what did they do? Judas denied, abandoned Jesus to his enemies for a pittance, even bringing them straight to Jesus for his capture. Simon Peter was faithless enough to deny him and lash out on account of it. And all the other disciples scattered, Annas and Caiaphas conspired with the oppressors to remove Jesus because he was an inconvenience to them. Pilate washed his hands of it, leaving Jesus, whom he believed to be innocent, to perish at the hands of the state anyway. And the crowds called out for Barabbas to be saved, and the chief priests wanted to kill him without guilt on their own heads. The soldiers mocked him with that crown of thorns and purple robe, and agents of the Roman state nailed his hands and feet, divided his clothes amongst himself, and then left him to die. What a disgusting, despicable lot of characters these people were. How could they abandon him, deny him, flee from his presence, see him as just someone getting in the way of their plans, ignore his suffering, dismiss his innocence? all the while justifying their actions, mocking his sovereignty, and seeking to force him from their presence. I think that this can be a very dangerous way to read the passion story. We who seek to follow Christ, we know how easily and how often we go astray. Who who among us can say that we've never walked away from Christ when we should have listened more closely, followed more closely? Why do we think that we would have done any better or any differently in their shoes? There's a songwriter that I really like named Dan Byrne, and he wrote a song called God Said No. He talks about meeting God at the crossroads outside of a town, and he asks God to send him back in time. First, he wants to go save Kurt Cobain to try to save him from killing himself. And God says, no, you would only ask him if he could help you get a record deal. Well, then he asks God to send him back in time to send him to Berlin. And maybe then he could kill Hitler and undo the horrors that he wrought in the world. But God said, no. If I sent you back, you would get caught up in theory and discussion. You would let your fears delay and distract you. You would make friends. You would take a wife. God said no. And then finally, he asks God to send him back to Jerusalem. He sings, let me go. Let me go find Jesus. Let me save his life as they try to kill him. Let me take him down, down from the cross, take the iron from his body, try and heal his wounds. God said no. 
if I let you go, if you really found him walking with the cross, you would stare, your tongue no longer working, eyes no longer seeing, ears no longer hearing. God said no. We cannot take Jesus down from the cross. That is where his mission led him, to death most shocking, most shameful, most lonely and bruised. We cannot take Jesus down from the cross because he carried it by himself. No one can say or do what he did, and no one can undo it either. And we want to blame others, Judas, the Jews, the Romans, the soldiers, and the church has a shameful legacy of doing just that. But we have to recognize that we can't escape this story by projecting our outrage on those people. We are bound up in this story every day of our lives, in all of our sinning, in all of our rejecting of God and Christ, the spirit that moves through the world with healing love and justice, in all the ways that we think that we don't need God and we don't need each other, the community of Christ, the body of Christ continuing till time immemorial. We have to see where we betray, abandon, mock and injure before we can fully understand the greatness of the love that Jesus showed in consenting to be tortured and tormented, murdered for pride and for fear. Here, in Holy Week, we see reflection of all the horrors that we inflict, all the injuries that are sown deep into our inward being. We see evil, bold and certainly powerful, taking the day for all to see. But has Jesus stepped down from the cross? Did he access all the power and might in the universe to retaliate, which he could have? Did he give up on us? No, he didn't. We can't take Jesus down from the cross because he carried it by himself. He chose it, and he chose it for all of us. If you've ever been to a Passover meal, you might remember this line. It's pretty common in the liturgy. They say, in every generation, each person must view himself or herself as having personally gone out of Egypt, of participating in the Exodus and all of those miracles. For many Jewish people, the exodus from Egypt is a crucial story. It's the story that marks their identity as Jews. It's so central for them that it's not enough to read and hear and remember the story. They think of themselves as part of the story. And I think for us, the passion is our story. This journey with Christ through Lent and into Eastertide that's the story that marks our identity. And so I ask, can we view ourselves as having personally followed Christ down all those dusty roads, missing the mark with all the rest of the disciples, calling out, crucify him when it got too hard, and bearing the sorrow of that loss and that guilt? Can we see the evil impulse inside ourselves and name it for what it is, rather than ignore it or hide it or try to cover it up with shame and guilt? 
Can we stay with Christ until his rising? Yes, we are sinners, and yes, Christ died for us. Christ did not die because evil people got lucky 2,000 years ago. Christ did not die because the right Savior person failed to arrive. Christ died because he was our Savior. He died because we all participate in that cabaret of sin and aggression, thoughtlessness and pride that feed the evil in our world. But Christ died because his love and his life mean more than our petty fear and faithlessness. At the foot of the cross, we have no room to blame. We cannot escape ourselves or our suffering Savior. We need to see and see beyond the bleak assault of an innocent, the callousness of oppressive forces, and the waywardness of religious leaders. Because Jesus is there in perfect love, trying to catch our eyes, reaching out to take hold of our hearts. And we are horrified and overcome and overwhelmed. We are utterly out of our depths. But Jesus is there, so we need to be there too, at the place of the skull, in the piercing heat, wondering why. Why this way? Why you? Why do we do such terrible things? Why do you love me beyond reason? And how can I bow in fear and trembling, gratitude and awe that you hang so high above me? Our own Savior has brought us here, to this uncomfortable place of death, to this barren hill. May God grant us the courage to stay in this place. Christ, may we stand together as your community, mourning your pain and your death, not because it is the end of you, but because it is a time between our sorrow and our joy, a time where we can see that you pierced the veil and we hope. We hope to see you again. We hope for honest eyes that cut through all the lies that we tell ourselves. Cover us with humble, contrite spirits and guide us to repent at your feet. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.